Good morning, good afternoon, or even good evening. I'm not sure what time you're going to be watching this. Um, we were not able to get our live stream up this morning. We did everything in our power through load shedding, moving from church to, to my house, welcome to my home. Um, and yet, yeah, we still weren't able to get the stream up. But here we are, we're bringing the word, and uh, I trust that you're going to receive this with an open heart this morning. Just want to say a big up to everyone who joined us uh, this week for the prayer and fasting. It was amazing. So many people logging into Zoom a prayer every evening, those breakout rooms, and then doing communion together. It was just beautiful every evening. So today we're going to do communion again at the end of this word. And I hope that you prepare it at home and that you, um, yeah, that you, you're taking communion in faith. Remember, it's a cup of blessing. So if you've just joined us, in the last couple of weeks, we've, we've started a series called Awesome God. And in the series, what we're doing is we're taking our eyes off ourselves and we're putting them on God. And we're looking at who God is. Who is this God that we serve? So often we have this... Um, idea of who God is or this opinion you talk to most people most people think they know who God is you know that we've all got an opinion and, and often that is is incorrect it's something that we imagine something that we create of who we would like him to be the Bible starts with the premise that we don't know who God is and by ourselves we would never know who God is unless he comes and reveals himself to us we will not know who He is. And so the Bible is that. It's a revelation of who God is. It's a history book. There's kings, there's wars, there's all sorts of there's prophets, there's psalms, there's all sorts of amazing things in, in the Bible. But the whole book is actually just a revelation of who God is. And the way it unfolds in Scripture is that God comes to different people and he, they have an encounter with Him. And in those encounters, an aspect of his identity and his nature and his character is revealed and so that's what we're looking at different encounters that men and women have with God and in particular the names of God because in these encounters he reveals these names to us and these names are pillars in our search for who God is last week we looked at Moses's encounter with God at the burning bush and we saw God reveal his name uh, YHVH. Remember in, in ancient Hebrew there were no vowels so it was just YHVH and, um, and so there's been a number of interpretations of how do we pronounce YHVH. Is it, is it Jehovah? Is it Yahweh? Yahweh? Or is it Yahweh? There's a number of different people who would claim that it, the, Yahweh is the right way or Yahweh is the right way. Uh, but the truth is none of us were there when he spoke with Moses and so uh, so so if you hear me say Jehovah or Yahweh or you hear me say Yahweh throughout this teaching this morning know that I'm talking about that God that the name of God Yahweh as it's revealed in Scripture so we're gonna anchor ourselves in Judges chapter 6 this morning for uh, for the word and the name we're gonna be looking at today is Yahweh Shalom, Jehovah Shalom, or Yahweh Shalom. That's the name we're going to be looking at. So let's just pray before we get into the Word. Father in heaven, we commit this time to you. We believe that your plans for us are good and that everything good starts with this Word. Your Word brings life, it brings healing, it brings direction to our lives. We treasure your Word more than our daily bread. 
We boldly confess that our minds are alert, our hearts are receptive, and we say, Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. Amen. So, let's go. We're going to start in Judges chapter 6, and we're going to be reading from verse 11. It says the following, Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Oprah, which belonged to Joash the Abazarite, while his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. Now, let's just pause there, and, and I'm just going to pause a lot as we read this passage and unpack as we go. So firstly, I want you to notice there, it says, the angel of the Lord. Right? And, and your Bible probably says Lord in capitals, L-O-R-D. Now, I said to you last week, whenever you see capital L-O-R-D, what you are seeing is the word Yahweh, okay? Y-H-V-H, Jehovah. So the angel of the Lord appears often in Scripture. The angel of Yahweh, the angel of Yahweh appears often in Scripture. This is the same angel of the Lord that appeared to Moses at the burning bush. And many of us, you know, many theologians and, and scholars all believe that this is the pre-incarnate Christ. This is actually Jesus, all right? We know that Jesus existed before Abraham, all right? He said that when he was in, in his ministry. He said, before Abraham was, I am, all right? So he existed before then. And so what we see is this is called a theophany where, where Jesus actually comes into the story and 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 begins to deliver Israel from their calamities. We see that with the same with the Exodus story, all right? And then we're seeing it here with Gideon and the Midianites. Now the question is, well, why is Gideon hiding? Why is he in a in a in a uh, wine press threshing wheat? You don't thresh wheat in a wine press. And he's trying to hide it from the Midianites. Who are these Midianites? Let me give you some context to the story here. The Midianites were basically this vast um, group of people, civilization, and, and they were against Israel and oppressing Israel. And they were so vast in numbers. They outnumbered Israel like 100 to 1. They were, they were numerous in numbers. It says multiple times in Scripture that they were, they, they, they were just huge. They were just a massive nation of people. And what they were doing is every time Israel would sow and their crops would grow, the Midianites would come in with their livestock and their, their tents and their animals and, and, and they would come in and they would just take everything from Israel. They would just move in and graze the land so there was nothing left over. They would take everything, their food, their, their, any valuables, whatever. And, and when Israel would, you know, were, were constantly living under this threat of the Midianites coming and they were just under this oppression the entire time. And so every time the Midianites would come, they would actually have to grab their, their closest belongings and their kids and they would run up into the hills and they actually dug caves into the hills. And, and those, those hideouts and dugouts, actually some archaeologists are even finding them to this day, that in those hills they, they would go and hide and wait until the Midianites had left and then they would come back and everything would be gone and they would have to rebuild their lives again. So this was a, a serious time for Israel, a time of much pain, of suffering, and just confusion, things going on and they were crying out to God and saying, God help us, God help us. And God heard their cry. Remember we read this in Exodus, God sees, God hears and He knows. God sees what you're going through, He hears your cries and He knows the pain 
He knows what we're going through. And, but he doesn't just stay up there. He comes down. Here's the angel of the Lord. He comes down and he comes to deliver Israel from their calamity. So that's the context to the story. Let's carry on reading. It says, And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, The Lord, Yahweh, is with you, mighty man of valor. And we'll pause on that for a moment. Here's Gideon hiding in a wine press, threshing wheat. And what's the first thing that Jehovah says to him? Mighty man of valor, the Lord is with you. I am with you. You know, when you read the story, what I, I what's quite confusing here is this: is that Gideon is anything but looks anything but a mighty man. <laughs> I mean, he's a guy. He's basically hiding out. All right. He's he's terrified. He's afraid. Um, there's nothing. He hasn't done anything mighty. There's no reason to call him mighty. But this is how God treats us. You know, he comes down and He doesn't define us by our past or our past experiences. What He does is He comes and He calls out our God future. He calls out our destiny. He calls out our purpose. He sees us as we were designed to be, not as what we have been up until this moment. And, and this is so encouraging, you know. That, you know, so often in life we measure people by their CVs. You know, CV is you studied here, you you worked there, you got this accolade, you got this you know promotion, you got this title. Your CV is all about your past, but God doesn't define, and we define people by that. By what have you done? What have you done? What have you done? But God, when He looks at us, He defines us by our destiny. He defines us by our purpose and by the way we are designed. And so I want to say to you today, if you're just watching this, you know, just because you haven't written a book does not mean in God's eyes that you're an author. And just because you haven't maybe, you're not a leader or you're not leading anybody or you haven't led anybody does not mean that you are not a leader. You know, just because you haven't started a business doesn't mean that you're not an entrepreneur. You know, God, when He looks at us, He doesn't look at us by what we've done. He looks at us who we designed to be. And so we've got, to, we've got to remember not to define ourselves by our past, but by who He says we are. His words over our life are more important than our past and our credentials or anything that we've done in the past. Who you are is who God designed you to be and who He says you are. So let's carry on reading. It says that, And Gideon said to him, and he's confused now, Oh, my Lord. Notice there that it says Lord in, in small caps, all right? Um, in, in small letters, not in caps. Oh, my Lord. And that small Lord over there is translated, is the Hebrew word Adonai, which means master or sir or numzan, all right? That's, that's what the small Lord means. And he says, oh, my small Lord, all right? If the Lord and that's in capitals, Yahweh, is with us, then why has this all happened to us? And so what we, we, we see from this passage right here is that Gideon doesn't recognize that this is the Lord that is speaking to him. So he just says, Sir, you know, if Yahweh, Yahweh is with us, then why has this happened to us? And where are all the miracles, he says, which our fathers have told us about, saying, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. 
Well, let's just pause there for a moment. It is obvious that Gideon is in a place of depression, he's in a place of defeat, he's in a place of anger, he's in a place of frustration. Like, come on, we can identify with this, guys. This is, I mean, even the times we're in right now, Lord, where are you? You know, if we are the children of Israel, if you are with us, why is are our relatives dying? Why are these calamities happening? Why are we going through COVID-19? Why are we going through economic upheaval? Lord, if you really are with us, where are you? Why are you not in our lives? So we can identify with, this is how Gideon feels right now. He feels forsaken. He feels defeated. And look at what God says to him. He says, then the Lord, Yahweh, turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I just find it amazing that God doesn't get into any debates with Gideon here. His response is, go in this might of yours. You know, often the, prob the, the answer to the problem around us is not waiting like for some miraculous thing. It's stepping into the might of God that's within us. It's realizing that we are the salt. It's realizing that we are the light. That He hasn't forsaken us. That He lives within us. That God has never left us. That And we are way more powerful than we think we are. We, we look at circumstances like the Midianites. We look at circumstances like COVID-19 and we just think we're so powerless. There's nothing we can do about this. But, you know, we're just overwhelmed. We're, we're being destroyed on every side. But then God says, no, you're the answer. You're the answer. You are it. Like me with you. But have I not sent you? There is a might. There is a strength on the people of God, which we need to see. Which Gideon did not see. Gideon did not see himself as mighty. Gideon did not see himself as having any might at all. And God is like, no, you got something. You have got something. And so the answer is not this like something supernatural coming. It's us rising up and taking our place as the church. It's us rising up and stepping into whatever scene we're in. We weep with those who are weeping. We, we, we laugh with those who are laughing. We serve those who are in need. We, as we move, as the church rises up in might, as we step out, as we do stuff, as we pray, as we worship, as we sing, as we declare, stuff begins to shift. Stuff happens. Change comes. God works through people. He worked through Moses. We read about that last week. You know, that Moses is looking for a deliverer and, and, and God says, yeah, you're it. Go. <laughs> tag, you're it. You know, if you're sitting with someone today, I want you to say, tag, you're it. Okay? Tell them, tag, you are it. Okay? We're it right now. There's no plan B. God's plan A for the world is the church. It's us. Okay? And He says, go in this might of yours. And I speak to you, every nation, Durban, today. Go in the might that is yours. Go in the might that you have in Jesus Christ. Go. Get up and go. Don't sit in depression. Don't sit in defeat. Don't sit like you're, you're overwhelmed, that you're destroyed. No. God is with you. Rise up and go in the might that is yours. You're a mighty man of woman, woman of valor. You're a mighty man. You're a mighty woman of valor. God is for you. God is with you. That's His word over us. Rise up. Rise up. We can do this. All right. He is for us. And so the Lord says, go in this might that is yours. But now, you know, often when we hear words like this of encouragement, we always got our questions. 
<laughs> but how? But are you sure? Is it really me? I don't know if I'm able. We saw that with Moses. We're going to see that now with Gideon as well. Okay, watch this. He says, so he said to them, Oh my Lord, how can I? What can I do? Well, you know, how can I? And notice that he's saying Lord in small letters again. He still hasn't recognized that this is God that he's speaking to here. Oh my Adonai, Master, Sir Numzan, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh. I'm the least in my father's house. And then Yahweh said to him, Surely I will be with you and you will defeat COVID-19 as one man. All right, you'll defeat the Midianites as one man. You'll defeat poverty as one man. You'll defeat whatever you lack you're going through right now. You'll defeat the industry, the whatever's against you right now. You'll defeat it even as one man. Wow. Come on. Notice how he says, he doesn't give him a plan. He doesn't, you know, like the same thing with Moses. Like, what, what am I going to do? God just says to Moses, I'll be with you. <laughs> I'll be with you. He doesn't give us the plan. He doesn't tell us the hows and all that. He just says, I'm with you. I'm just with you. You know, church, we've got to have faith that God is with us. We've got to believe that Jesus' sacrifice is enough, man. That we don't have to earn any more favor with God other than what Jesus has given to us through the cross. He's with us. He is with us. Surely I will be with you. And look at what he says, you'll defeat the Midianites as one man. As one man. You know, that's incredible because the Midianites, I already told you, we're vast in numbers. So there's, there's, there's this contrast between this vast in numbers and this, you're going to defeat them as even one man. <laughs> so, you know what? Yeah, even as one man, one plus God is majority. One man can take on all of that. You know, that that's... That's the power of God. That's what God can do in our circumstances. Let's have a high opinion of this God, people. Let's, let's take away every, like, I don't know, low opinion we have of His power. Low opinion of His care. Let's, let's, let's trash that. Let's maintain a high, sanctified opinion of who our God is and how powerful He is, no matter what we see around us, okay? Let's keep... The correct picture of who God is. Now, it's at this moment, alright, that we see things change for Gideon. This is the turning point. When he says, surely I will be with you and you will defeat them even as one man. This is the moment, this is where things change for Gideon. Okay, this is where he's now realizing, hang on, who am I talking with here? I'm meeting this complete stranger, alright, and he's calling me mighty. And he's telling me to actually go and declare war against a like a terrifyingly vast and 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 brutal nation. He's telling me to rise up and I'm gonna defeat them just as one man. Who is this guy that is talking to me? Alright? So up until now, also just remember that that he had been he had been expressing disappointment in God. He's been like, where's God? If God's for us, why is all this happening? God, you know, where's God? Where's God? Where's God? Where, where, you know, where's, where is He? What, what's happening? So he's been speaking flippantly. He's been speaking arrogantly. He's almost been like, you know, speaking against God up until this moment. But now something's happening. There's like some lights going on. And he's realizing, hang on, who am I talking to here? Is this not God Himself? Look here, look here. 
Look at what he says in the next verse. He says, Then he said to him, If now I have found favor in your sight, show me a sign that it's you, and it's you, God, <laughs> who is talking with me. Don't depart from here. I pray uh, until I come to you and bring out my offering and set it before you. And he said, Yahweh said, I will wait until you come back. So Gideon went in. He prepared a young goat and an unleavened bread from an ephah, ephah of flour. The meat he put in a basket. Now he didn't do this all himself, all right? He, he obviously had um, servants that were there. Uh, we see that later in later verses. Um, he put the meat in a basket and he put the broth in a pot and he brought them out to him under the terebinth tree and presented them. Now I want us just to take a moment here and think about how big this meal is <laughs> that Gideon prepares, okay? You know, whenever we're talking food today, people, alright? We're breaking fast, alright? So let's just talk about food for a moment. Whenever the Bible talks about food, we need to, we need to just stop, alright? We just need to go, okay, what's, what's happening here, okay? There's a roast lamb happening, yeah, okay? There's a lamb that's being cooked. And there's an ephah of flour. Now, I went and researched and found out that an ephah of flour is about 22 kilograms of flour. Now, we've got a, I've got a bag here. I'm at home, all right? So I'm preaching at home. Now, why don't you bring me that, that bag of flour? Just, I want to <laughs> show people how big, the, how big this flour is, all right? Check this out. This good-looking guy from Lani coming. Check this out. All right. So, thank you, bro. Look at this. Poof. All right. This is 12 and a half kgs of flour. This thing is heavy, okay? You know, I use this in the mornings for working out. I'm just kidding, all right? Um, this, is, this is a heavy bag of flour. This is 12 and a half kgs. So, it's an ephah of flour is double this. Okay. So, this is a lot of flour that he's preparing. And this story starts off with how scarce things are in Israel. How there's nothing. Their livestock, their, their crops, their everything have just been grazed by the Midianites. So, this is highly costly. This is, this is massive. This is more than one person could ever eat. Okay, what he's preparing here. A whole kid could feed a family for weeks. A whole uh, an ephah flour, they said, can feed up to 45 men. That's what an ephah flour can produce. So, so we're talking about a huge, extravagant, even considering the times, massive offering that Gideon is bringing. Why is this so extravagant? Well, I mean, this is more than hospitality. He, you know, this is, if this guy was, this is a test, all right? This is a test. Gideon is doing a test here. If this was just a normal man, he would know that you know, a normal man would probably wouldn't even accept such a huge offering and a meal in such a time as this. And and um, and so Gideon is testing to see, you know, if this is God or not. And he brings out this massive offering. And um, and and I want you to remember that in in the Old Testament, offerings were were a means by which Israel had favor. Uh, forgiveness and protection with God. So offerings were very important. No offering, no access to God. All right, the offerings were so important. So he brings out this offering to test whether this person is God or not. And he brings this extravagant offering. And 
And then what happens is, let's carry on reading. It says, And then the angel of the Lord said to him, Take the meat and the unleavened bread and lay them on this rock. Right? Don't think of a little rock. Think of a big luck, or a rock. All right? we, we're talking a whole you know, goat, like lamb being on there. We're talking about all this flour being in, made into unleavened bread. All right? And then he says, Lay them on this rock and pour out the broth. So he did so. And the angel of the Lord put out the end of his staff that was in his hand and touched the meat and the unleavened bread. And fire, can you say fire? Fire rose where? Out of the rock. <laughs> okay. So we saw water coming out of the rock in Exodus. Now we're seeing fire coming out of the rock. Listen, you might be in a, feel like you're between a rock and a hard place. That rock, God can cause something to come out of it. All right. You might feel like you're facing something immovable something impossible God can do the impossible fire rose out of this rock and consumed this offering the meat and the unleavened bread even with that broth being poured over it even with all that liquid being poured over it it consumed it all and the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight and Gideon now perceived that he was the angel of Yahweh Yahweh and so Gideon said, Alas, O Adonai Yahweh, for I have seen the angel of Yahweh face to face. Now, so much gets lost in English right there in that, in that verse. So, so much is lost, okay? And, uh, you know, when, when someone says, Alas, O Lord Adonai Yahweh. He, this is his moment. This is where he realizes he's talking to God. He's been face to face with God, having a conversation. He's even been bad mouthing God. He's even been speaking evil almost of God. Like, where is God? You know, why, why isn't he helping us? And and now he's and God has just come to him and with grace and mind and saying, I'm for you and I'm with you. And 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 this is a moment where he realizes. That this is God he's been speaking to. And that word alas just basically means I'm going to die. This is genuine terror. This is, I mean, imagine seeing fire coming out of the rock, consuming this offering, just, you know, this incredible display of power. And not only that, the holiness of God. This is an encounter with the holiness of God. And, and he knew the, the scripture. He knew that, you know, no one can see God face to face and live. And he's having this encounter and, and he's realizing that, that this is a holy God. This is a powerful God. And he's having a moment where he realizes he could die. He could die. You know, Hebrews 10 says this. It says, it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Hebrews 12 says, our God is a consuming fire. In the book of the Revelation, it says that heaven and earth flee at the sight of his face. Jesus said, don't fear those who can kill the body. Rather kill, uh, rather fear God who's able to destroy both soul and body in hell. You know, there's this, when you encounter the holiness of God, the power of God, the one thing you know in that moment is that you are sinful, that you are wicked, that you are undeserving to live when you encounter that God. And this is what happens to Gideon in this moment. This is a, this is the same as like Isaiah stepping into the throne, seeing the throne room. And his immediate response is when he sees the Lord high and lifted up, he just says, woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips. I live amongst a people of unclean lips. 
This is John in the book of the Revelation where he encounters the, the resurrected Christ and he falls down like a dead man on the ground. He, he said, I fell on my face like a dead man. This is like Peter in the boat encountering the holiness of Jesus and falling to his knees and saying, depart from me, I am a wicked man. This is Gideon's moment where he's coming face to face with the holiness the power of God and when you when you have that moment when you encounter the holiness of God all you can see is just how unholy you are how unrighteous you are you know up until this point Gideon's greatest fear was the Midianites and we what we're seeing here is a is a is a is a change, is a shift in his fear. He, his greatest fear was the Midianites. He was, his greatest concern was his safety and his economic survival. He's arrogant in how he's questioning God and, and why isn't God doing this and that and that. And, and up, up until this moment, and in this moment, what he realizes is that there's something way more important than our economic survival there's something way more important than the challenges that we're going through and that is are we right with a holy God so are we right with God this is what Gideon is experiencing in this moment you know guys I want to say there's something way worse looking at this story it's way worse than war and people plundering us and oppression there's something way worse than Isis or radical Islam or even COVID-19 and that is the holiness and the power of God there is you know we've got to put our fear in the right place people you know we take all your worst fears and and I don't know multiply them by a gazillion that that is how we should feel about the holiness and the power of God and this is what happens to Gideon he transfers from being afraid of you know economic survival and all, all these things to encountering the Holy God and um, you know we it, when, when you look at at the story here what, what I notice is that you know Israel was experiencing oppression because they had given themselves to idolatry so they were worshiping idols they were not doing what God had called them to do with their lives and so they were experiencing oppression because of it. And what you see even later on in the story is that Gideon had idols in his own home. <laughs> he had idols in his home, Baal, idols to Baal that they were worshiping. And yet here he is. So, so just get this. His greatest concern is the, the, the Midianites and his economic survival and the hardships that he's going through. And he's blaming God. Where is God? Where is God in all of this? Meanwhile, he's got idols in his own backyard all right and he's more concerned about what's happening out there than what's happening in his own heart and you know I, I you know I speak to a lot of people today a lot of people are angry at God a lot of people are you know miffed like why is God this and why didn't he do this and why that and and like and we we arrogant and we think that you know if we were God what we're saying is we would be doing a much better job that's pretty much what we say we would be doing a much better job than him service in a moment <laughs> but you know 
a lot of people are mad at God, like angry, you know, and, and we think we could do a better job than him. That's kind of like what, what we think. But we're not actually concerned, and we're concerned about the economy, we're concerned about COVID, we're concerned about Trump and Biden and vaccines, and we're concerned about all those things. But we're not really concerned about our hearts before him and are we righteous with him are we in right standing with him you know what's we're concerned with things out there and not really things in our hearts and this is where we see a shift in Gideon's life he he starts to realize that it's way more important than living a comfortable life where all our needs are met and all everything's answered way more important than that is are we right with a holy God are we in right standing with him and look at Yahweh's response. He says, Then Yahweh said to him, Peace be with you. Do not fear. You shall not die. And that word there, peace, is the word shalom. And so here's God's response to Gideon. Gideon, I believe in that moment, is having a repentance moment. He's like, You know, woe is me. I realize I'm at fault here. I realize I've got idols. I've been bad-mouthing you, and actually I'm not even right with you. I'm not even in right standing with you. But look at Yahweh's response. He says, peace be with you. Do not fear. You will not die. In other words, Gideon could have died. And that's what he saw in that moment. You know, Gideon realized in that moment he, he was deserving of judgment. You know, he's blaming the Midianites. Why isn't God destroying the Midianites? But listen, he was actually in judgment. He could have been judged in that moment. But God's response to him is, peace be with you. Do not fear, you shall not die. And, uh, you know, and this is where, um, this is where we, we read the name of God. It, it gets revealed over here. Um, it says that then uh, Gideon then named that place Jehovah Shalom or Yahweh Shalom, the God of peace. He named that place there. And you know, a lot of us, when we hear that we're going to be talking about Jehovah Shalom or Yahweh Shalom, a lot of us think about the peace that Jesus spoke about. He said, my peace I leave with you, not as the world gives. I, you know, I give perfect peace. In the world you'll have tribulation, trial, distress, frustrations, but in me you'll have perfect peace. Whenever we think about Yahweh Shalom, we think about the peace that Jesus spoke about. When he said, I'm going to give you peace. That even though you're going through tough stuff, you're going to have this comfort, you're going to have this peace. You know, the, the kind of peace that Timothy Keller says that circumstances, it's not based on circumstances. And even in the worst of circumstances, we can have more of it. That kind of peace. The same kind of peace Horatio Spafford wrote his song, It Is Well With My Soul, when peace like a river attendeth my soul. That kind of peace that God gives to us when we go through difficult times. But, you know, there is a supernatural peace that God gives to us. There is a peace that we can receive and go, when we're going through tough stuff. But this is not the context for that message. Right, this is not what Gideon meant when he said Jehovah Shalom. When he named that place Jehovah Shalom. What did Gideon mean when he said Jehovah Shalom? He meant two things. Number one, and, and obviously, he said what he meant when he said Jehovah Shalom was this, that he, Jehovah has not come in war. He's come in peace. The holy God, the God who could take judgment, the God who could take vengeance, the God who could have destroyed me, the God who could have wiped me out, has not come and wiped me out, but he's come in peace. And you know, I had a similar encounter like this where I encountered 
the holiness of God in my bedroom 20 years ago. And I, I had an encounter with His holiness. And in that moment, I knew I was a sinner. And I knew I was deserving of judgment. And all I could do was repent of my sin. And before I could even repent, He said, I forgive you. Just like that. And this is that, that's the same moment that Gideon's going through right there. You know, It's, it's that moment that uh, Jacob had as well. When he realized his name was Jacob. I'm a sinner. I, you know, I'm nothing. I'm not. I'm deserving of judgment. I'm deserving of, of punishment. I'm deserving. I, you know, we all forget about what God should be doing out there in the world. What about me? What about my life? You know, and and this is the gospel message, is that mankind is in some sort of oppression, and mankind is angry at God because God's not helping us or God's not doing what we think He should be doing. But at the same time, we're full of idolatry. We've got, you know, massive TV screens and we're worshiping Netflix and we're not reading the word or we, you know, we've got these sports that keep us away from gathering with the saints or we've got these jobs that we're sewing ourselves into because we want more money and title and, and a, a more comfort life. And we're worshiping all these idols and we're, you know, we're, we're engaged in you know, and blaming God for our circumstances and, and we don't realize the sin in our own hearts. And instead of Him damning us or judging us or wiping us out like He could, like He's fully justified to do, He comes to us in peace and He gives us what we don't deserve. He gives us grace and He comes to Gideon and He says, I'm going to give you a part in my story. I'm going to give you destiny. I'm going to give you purpose. I'm going to give you meaning. And not only that, I'm going to give you a relationship with me. And that's what, this is the gospel message. This is Yahweh Shalom. This is Jehovah Shalom. The God who comes to us not to judge us, but to give us peace. In Ephesians 2.17, it says this about Jesus. He came and preached peace to you who are far off and to those who are near. Jesus came to, to and he brought the peace of God. You know, when he stood up in the synagogue and he read, um, that passage in Isaiah where he spoke about the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He said, I have come to declare the acceptable year of the Lord. And he stopped right there and he went and sat down. And what he didn't say was, and the day of vengeance of our God. So he said, I've come to declare the acceptable year of the Lord, year or age, the acceptable age of the Lord and not the day of vengeance. That's what he was saying. I, I could come in vengeance, but I have come in peace. I have come to make peace. And if we make peace with him, then we have peace with God, then he is Jehovah Shalom. He is our God of peace, all right? He has come in peace. He could have come in war, all right? There will be a day when he will come in vengeance. The Bible says in, in, in 1 Thessalonians that a day is coming when Jesus will come in the wrath of God with flaming fire to take vengeance on those who do not know the gospel and punish them with everlasting hell. That he says, that's what he, the day of vengeance will come. But now he's come to us in peace. And this is what's happening to Gideon. He's, he's, he's realizing the judgment of God, the, the wrath of God could have been his, but Jehovah has come with shalom, with peace. All right. And, uh, so that's the first thing. So what did he mean when he said Jehovah Shalom? He meant God has come in peace. And the second thing is this. He meant that God has not only come in peace without judgment, without wrath, without vengeance, but he's actually come in friendship. 
That's what he meant when he said Jehovah Shalom. You know, the Shalom from this moment on in Israel's history becomes a greeting in Israel even to this day. If you go to Israel today, they'll greet you, they'll say Shalom, all right? Peace, peace be to you, all right? And really what it means when, when Yahweh said to Gideon, he said peace, he said Shalom to Gideon. What you're saying is rest, uh, trust me, uh, I'm, I'm here for you. I'm with you. You you have access with me. You have friendship with me. You have intimate. I will be with you. I'm coming in friendship. So not only am I not coming in wrath, but I'm actually coming in friendship. I'm actually coming for relationship. Which I don't know about you, but I just find that incredible. You know, us, we're so deserving of the vengeance of God. But He doesn't give it to us. He comes in peace. And not only just peace, not just stopping the judgment, but he comes in friendship, in relationship as well. From that moment on, he is with Gideon. And so, you know, what is the application for us from this word today? Well, there's something, there's, there's so much application here, okay? There's something so much more important than us living a comfortable life where we're free of troubles and calamities and all sorts of stuff going on. And that is this, is that are we right with the Holy God? Are we right with Yahweh? Uh, are we, do we have idols in our homes? You know, are we looking at God and blaming Him for the circumstances and, and not actually taking responsibility for the very sin that's in our own houses and in our own hearts? You know, there's a com the conversation that, that is so much more important than American politics right now, and that is, have you kept your heart pure this week? How can you be more righteous in all your dealings? How can you live for the kingdom first? And how can you seek first the kingdom of God? These things are infinitely more valuable than the things out there, all those conversations. You know, it's, it's changing our mindsets from thinking that, you know, God revolves around us and He must just give us this comfortable life and do what we think He should do to a mindset where it's, no, He is God. Our, our lives revolve around Him. How can we serve His kingdom? How can we serve His purpose? What can we do to be righteous in His eyes? What can we do to be holy in His eyes? Are we right with the Lord? Saints, I just want to challenge you today. If you're not right with the Lord, make right with Yahweh. Make peace with Him today. If, you're, if, you're, if you would admit to if if you would admit today that you don't actually know God or you're not sure if you were to die today that you were going to heaven, I want to challenge you and say make peace with God. He hasn't come in vengeance yet. The fact that you're still alive and you're still knocking on the door of your heart means that grace is still available to you right now today. He is coming in peace to you today. The day of vengeance has been reserved. You have this time. You have this time to make peace with Him. Make peace with Him today. Repent of your sin. Get rid of your idols. Stop thinking life is just about a living for our own comforts. Trash that mindset. Build your life around what's more important. Are you right with Him? If you were to die today and stand before Him, are you happy that you've lived the life you should have lived as a, as a godly man or woman? That's the first application. And then the second one is this, is that God has offered us friendship. And I think we would be fools for not taking it. You know, there's something about us that always wants Him to be distant. He's over there and we live over here. But he's, from what we see is He wants to be with us. 
And so let's take him up on the friendship offer, the peace offer. This is Yahweh Shalom, Jehovah Yahweh Shalom. He's not only come, he hasn't only come with, with, without war and vengeance, but he's come in friendship and he's inviting us into a relationship with him. Let's, let's treasure that. Let's build that. Let's spend time with him. Let's get into our Bibles. Let's encounter him. Let's worship him. Let's draw close to him. Let's be friends of God and not friends of the world. The Bible says that friendship with the world is enmity with God. Let's not be friends with the world. Let's be a friend of God. Are you a friend of God? I want to challenge you with that question today. Are you a friend of God? Would he say, we're friends, we're mates, there's shalom between us. That's what's on offer to us today. Let's take it with both hands. Amen. Father, we just thank you for your word this morning. And Lord, I just pray for all those who are listening, Lord. That Lord, we would, Lord, we would take you on, on this offer of peace that we have right now. This, this offer of forgiveness, this offer of reconciliation, this offer of friendship. That we would take it with both hands in the mighty name of Jesus.